The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. 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 Good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQRS, TV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see <clears throat> Excuse me. You can see the face is made for radio and sometimes get stuff in his throat. <laughs> so I offer a little comic relief as well. Uh, go to sonsoflibertymedia.com and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side is an educational video from Bradley. Uh, be sure to check that out. These things are, you know, they're fairly short. Usually they're five to eight minutes, something like that. Occasionally you might get one that's longer, one that's shorter, whatever the case is, but their own particular subjects. And so be sure to check that out. Now, Bradley won't be back until tomorrow. He will be back at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central on sonsoflibertymedia.com. <clears throat> and so today at 3, this will change over to another educational video. And then tomorrow, Lord willing, he's going to be back sitting in his chair, just like he always is back there in Minnesota. All right. Uh, on the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up, whatever device you've got there. Look for the rumble icon in the bottom right hand corner. Click on that and uh, join us in the chat over on Rumble. Uh, we are streaming live on Rumble. And by the way, good morning to everybody in the chat and who's watching on Rumble. We appreciate your support and, uh, and for tuning in there. Um, but we are streaming live on Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. And uh, a big thank you to those guys for uh, carrying our show over there on Before It's News. Right up under where we're streaming live on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Again, that goes out once, a, uh, once in the evening between 7 and 8 Eastern time. And um, <clears throat> you'll get all of the articles that we have, including... The morning show archive. So I'm showing the people on the video screen. This is what yesterday's archive looked like. So when you go in there, you're going to have, uh, you know, I, I look, I know everybody's not sitting with a Bible and a pen, a piece of paper. They can do that. People are getting ready for work. Some people are working now. 
Um, and they can't do that. So they listen, right? So I want you to know that if you hear something, you go, wait a minute, I, what was he saying about that? Maybe you can go back. You can obviously scrub through the, uh, the video or the podcast in here. If you don't want to watch the video, you can scrub, you can scrub through the podcast too. You can just have the audio if you want to do, which are downloadable. So if you have one of those podcast programs and you set it up to get my stream off of SoundCloud, then, um, <clears throat> which is you can tie to by going to the archive. You can pull that off of there or you can pull it off of Spotify has something they used to call anchor.fm. Now they changed it to some other name, uh, but it's, it's still the same thing. They, they don't, they won't distribute my video and they won't distribute the audio on Spotify because they're the same knuckleheads like YouTube and the rest of them who didn't like it when we were talking about what the shots were doing uh, the con vids and all of that. So they're, they're the same kind of, they're the same kind of people, uh, but they'll allow other kinds of lies to be put out there instead of the truth. Okay. <clears throat> but you can find that in there and you can follow along if you'd like to do that, if you'd like to do it. Um, okay. If you want our ministry email, go to sons of Liberty radio.com sons of Liberty radio.com that goes out once a week. You can sign up for that right off the front page. If you want to do that. And then, as always, you know, if you guys want to support us, um, I I don't like talking about money. I just I don't like talking about because I don't want to be accused of trying to take people's money. I, that's the last thing that's on my mind. OK, really. But there is a donate button at sons of liberty media dot com. You can make a one time donation or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. If you want to do that, if you don't, we're going to still do what we do. OK, we're just going to do what we do. Now, I want to give a shout out to. Missouri Liberty Radio. Um, <clears throat> Sam Britton is the guy over there. I got to talk with him. Man, we talked for about an hour and a half the other day. What a great conversation and uh, a brother in the Lord. And uh, he's, he's fascinating. Uh, he and his wife both are blind. And yet I was told this guy runs his own wire in his house, you know, for phones and he hooks them up. And I'm like, how does this, how is he, you know, how is he doing all this? But he's very, you know, self-sufficient in that uh, and such. So, uh, but he's he's just a great guy. Um, he he wanted to carry the show, so I was like, yeah, okay, you know, if you find it beneficial, you're more than will willing to do or more than welcome to do that. And so are other people. If you have, you know, things out there, uh, you want to use it. You don't even have to ask me. Just you know, play it in its entirety or. You know, if you've got an hour allotted and I go over, I think Sam's given me like two hours. So whatever doesn't get filled, uh, whatever I don't feel, he feels with music. But what what a great guy. By the way, on the 28th of May, Lord willing, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time, I'm going to be on Sam's program. I think it's called Off the Cuff, Off the Cuff. But you can find it at MOLibertyRadio.us, M-O like Missouri, LibertyRadio.us, and uh, Sam has been so gracious to carry the morning show at 4 p.m., and I think that's central time, so that would be 5 p.m. Eastern. I hate all these time zones. It just ugh, drives me crazy. Anyway, 4 p.m. central time is where he plays the morning show, so if you hear me saying morning or any of that other stuff, that's it's, it's just the way it is, but I appreciate the fact that he wanted to carry the show. Now, I want to cover a couple of things, and then we're going to get into our topic today. As always, you know, I don't mind questions. 
Um, <clears throat> I was explaining to people yesterday, and I hope you guys will get this too. In this series, I'm not looking to answer every question. Okay, I'm not. That is not my purpose right yet. What I'm looking to do, and the best way I can, I can think of, and I was thinking of it today. How, Lord, how can I tell people what I'm trying to do so that they? I, I know that people are chomping at the bit for certain things. You know, they want to go dive right into the meat, so to speak. And all I'm just trying to do is give an outline. So this is this is how I perceive that that I'm trying to teach this. Everybody's seeing coloring books, right? And you open up a coloring book, it's not colored, is it? It's just black lines forming a picture. So the process of what we're in right now is just doing the black lines to form the picture. So you get a broad overview. I haven't really taken time. You'll notice this in, even in Matthew 24. I didn't take time to go through every little detail. I hit a couple of high points, yeah, but I didn't take every detail. I just took, here's what's said. When is it going to happen? And I elaborate on that. Jesus said, it's going to happen in that generation. All of it's going to be fulfilled. We talked about last days. We picked up the phrase everywhere, I think, except for one, which I think I missed. Um, as, I, as I went back, I, I think I missed that. I, I don't know why. It wasn't intentional. But that, we picked up last days. Um, and today we're going to be talking about uh, the time of the end. And that phrase is only found in the book of Daniel. Okay, so we're going to look at where that is. And I'm, look, when we get to Daniel 11, I'm not going through all the stuff. There's, there's commentary that can give you all of the stuff that's going on there uh, that went on in history that shows Daniel was a prophet, that he did call those things before they happened. And how could he do that? Because the God of heaven gave it to him. He revealed it to him. Okay. And so God knows the end from the beginning. Isn't that interesting how the Bible says that? He knows the end from the beginning, not the beginning to the end, although he knows that too, but it talks about he knows the end from the beginning. So um, I, I want you to understand kind of how we're doing things. So I want to take this guy, and he's probably listening this morning, and I, again, I don't mean anything I, I say as an attack on somebody, but I got to shake my head at just some of this stuff, okay? Now, this is Freemasonic knowledge, so that should tell you something right there, okay? Um, but sometimes he makes good comments. Sometimes it's like, where did you get that? And of course, uh, this I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address here in just a second, but he says, Scripture side, Israel is about to get obliterated again. They have brought it on themselves. Uh, every day they bomb Palestine. Well, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I've often made mention of that with people. I said, were some of these people in the American church, what are they going to do? What's going to happen to their faith should the modern state of Israel just be obliterated? And I'm not calling for that. I'm not calling for people to go and attack them. But the fact of the matter is, what's going to happen to people if that happens? Oh, Tim, that won't happen because Bible prophecy. You, you see how the thinking goes? And a friend of, of mine and I were talking the other day, and we both kind of came to the same conclusion. Since the church, the modern church has bought into all this dispensationalism that, you know, and they believe the modern state of Israel is God's chosen people and 
you know, that, that, that the end times are on us and there's just nothing we can do. So why bother? We just need to look for the rapture. And they bought into all that. It's almost like the enemy has said, well, let's just play that scenario out of what they think the Bible is teaching. And they'll think this is really Bible prophecy happening and it'll be easy to control them. Instead of understanding what God has done in the scriptures, in history, and open our eyes to the reality. See, I think men don't teach and preach what we've been going over these however many numbers of shows we've done here. I don't think they do it because it reveals who the king is, not just what they say he is, but it reveals who he is, what he did, what he accomplished, what he set up, and what he has commanded his church to do here and now, because that would mean the people who named the name of Christ have to actually obey him. They have to actually obey him. And so I think it has worked to disguise who the real king is. Okay. All right. Now, with that said, he follows up and he goes, also, for your information, social security number, remember I made mention of that, the SIN number, social identification number, is not the mark of the beast. Well, did I say it was? No, I didn't say it was. I've done a whole show that says what was the mark of the beast, and I point you back, and I even show you what it was. You can find that on sonsoflibertymedia.com. What was the mark of the beast? That's the name of it. You can look it up. You can find it. Or you can find it on settingbrushfires.com. That's all my morning shows. That's where they're archived at. You can find it there, and you can listen, and you can actually see it, if that's what you want to, if it's what you want to do. Everything after that, when I say something is a mark of a beast, I'm drawing application. And the other day, this, this guy mixed application and interpretation all up. I mean, he just completely mixed it up. So what I want to do is I want to address something out of that. <clears throat> when I made mention of Social Security. Now, I did a little Facebook deal on this yesterday. But I found this very interesting. A friend of mine shared this with me. And those of you watching the screen, notice the number of this. I mean, it's like they just stick it in their face. This is why it kind of makes me think they have came in to the church. They have distorted the truth of what real Bible prophecy and fulfillment is. Okay? And look at what it is. For those of you on the radio, this is 42 U.S. Code, section 666. Requirement of statutorily prescribed procedures to improve effectiveness of child support enforcement. That's 42 U.S. Code, Section 666. It's not 666. People keep saying that stuff. Read what Revelation says in the first place. It's 666. It's not 666. And no, I don't think this is that. I think that you can definitely see application. So I'm going to scroll down here. And what you want to do in this U.S. Code is you want to go to um, Section 13. <clears throat> and here's what it says. Here's what it says. This is number 13. That's interesting too, isn't it? it isn't, you know, I'm not superstitious, but it among people, don't they think of 13 as some kind of, I don't know, 
unlucky thing, which I don't believe in luck anyway. I believe in providence. That's God's work. But here's what it says. Recording of social security numbers in certain family matters. Procedures requiring that the social security number of any applicant for a professional license, a driver's license, occupational license, recreational license, or marriage license be recorded on the application. So I want to ask you a question. Did men of the past, did, did I mean, to move about and travel, did you have to have a license for that? No. Nope. To conduct your practice, even as a doctor, did you have to have a license? Nope. What about your occupation? Maybe you ran a mill. Maybe you were a handyman. Did you have to have a license? Nope. You just had to know what you were doing. And if you didn't know what you're doing and you messed something up, you had to pay for it. There was restoration. Or if you were deliberate in it and you actually killed somebody and you were premeditated in it and you were deliberate in what you were doing, well, then you paid for it with your life. Recreational license to do certain things. Now we've got, you've got to have a permit, which is a license that people want to, they want to tell us we have to have to carry our guns, which we have a right to do. A marriage license. Where do you see that in scripture? Nope. This is man's law. It is not biblical law. This is man's law. Do you see what happens when you want to follow man's law? It becomes laws, abundant laws, thousands and ten thousands of them. And it becomes tyrannical. It also goes on and it says, any individual who is subject to a divorce decree. Oh, you know, marriages and divorces, when divorces would even take place, used to be handled within the church, within the ecclesia, the people of God, in the, in the assembly. Now it's, it's all about the state. Support order or paternity determination or acknowledgement be placed in the records relating to the matter. And C, any individual who has died be placed in the records relating to the death and be recorded on the death certificate. For purposes of subparagraph A, if a state, if a state allows the use of a number, isn't that interesting? It's all about numbering you. You're just cattle. You're just sheep that's to be counted. That's what you, that's what you are to the state. Just like the big pharma, you're nothing but um, this right here in your throat. That's all you are to the big pharma companies. Take the pill or maybe an arm to take a shot. That's all you are to them and, and money to the state. All you are is a number to be used on the face of the document while the social security number is kept on file at an agency. The state shall so advise any applicants. Listen, listen, I had somebody. It's been a while. Send me a message on Facebook saying, will you get behind this? Will you put this out? You know, Social Security is at stake and this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, look, Social Security, these are the, the people taking Social Security are some of the same people that are so vehement and vocal about being against socialism. You can't make it up. You can't make it up. So I wrote this person. I said, I'm not doing that. I said, this is socialism. The fact that you're concerned about not getting your check because you, you can't live without that check, 
shows your own dependence upon the government. Does everybody get that? And I was surprised. First time ever, this person wrote me and he, he goes, I never thought about that. You're exactly right. I'm not going to support this. I was like, praise the Lord. <laughs> Somebody sees it for what it is. Praise God for that. And there was repentance there. Great. That's fantastic. Boy, if the rest of us would get a hold of that and stop get, letting them take money out of, out of our checks and stuff like that for stuff like that, maybe we'd be better off for it. Okay. Maybe we'd be better off for it. So understand, and I know most of you got it. I simply said it is a, it can be considered a mark of a beast. And sadly, we've all been born into it. We've just been born into this. And yes, it is sinful because it goes against the word of God. It goes against the word of God. And, okay, so I want to go to the second one and then we're going to try to, I don't, well, I've got something I'm going to play, but it's going to be a part of what we're talking about. This is the second comment. And I got to tell you, I just, I kind of just, um, <laughs> there was a lot. I didn't know what to say because again, it's just all over the map. The Gentiles are not the ones who put him to death, Jesus to death, I assume is what he says. Then what are the Romans? Were they considered Gentiles? Yes, they were. They weren't Jews, so they were considered Gentiles. Psalm 2 is very clear, and it's used over and over and over and over again in the New Testament. And I believe it's Peter who, when he quotes that, and he talks about the kings and the rulers, okay, he specifically points out that it applies to the Romans and to the Jews. So yes, they did. So the guy's lying, the first statement he says. He's just lying. And it's demonstrable that he's lying. And Moses never said or implicated or referred to Jesus in anything given in the scriptures, even in scripture, not included in the regular canon. What Bible are you reading, man? What did Jesus say after his resurrection, when he appeared in Luke 24 to his disciples, we've read it, I don't know how many times, Moses and the prophets and the Psalms speak about me. Now, is Jesus lying? Oh, well, that maybe, maybe you think it, that was distorted. Maybe you think that was changed. No, it wasn't. Because he said it all over and over and over again. And he said all that the prophets spoke about are going to be fulfilled in me in a particular time frame. I, how, you, how you have comments like this, it, it's like, where is your mind at? These are simple things that my kids could understand. Heaven and earth pass away, just saying. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Yeah, heaven and earth did pass away. There's a new world. There's a new heavens. There's a new earth. The old world, the old covenant world is done away with. He was not talking about the physical elements. That's not what he was talking about at all. Those things were done away with. We've already covered that. That is one of the outlines that's there. Okay. Do you live in the kingdom of God? No, it is not clear at all. It is contradictory. It is vague. It is corrupted. No, only to those who are still blind and dead in their sins is it corrupted. Is it not clear? Now I look, I and I'm and let me let me clarify that. I don't mean everybody who doesn't get what I'm saying is necessarily 
not a Christian. That's not what I mean to say. But if you're going to come at it like this, you're belligerent to what the scriptures clearly say. If people have been taught error, and as they're learning, they're saying, okay, I see parts of that, and they're learning. I'm not sitting here, tell, I'm not judging people as to whether or not they are believers or not. I want to make clear that that's not what I'm doing. I probably shouldn't have said what I said. So forgive me of that. I, I, I want to take that back. But if you're belligerent like this, there's something else going on inside of you. Okay? Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So whenever you're done with always telling others how they are sinners and not good enough for God, now you're... And then he just goes on to the... I say all men are like that. This one included. It's not about telling everybody else. I have to preach to myself first. This is what this person doesn't understand. He goes on, now you're talking nonsense because you don't understand the prophecy timelines. What? You will accept the digital currency. You will continue to comply. Pay your taxes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, some of these things ain't, ain't been being done anyway. And not, not here, not in this house. All that. No, there was no Old Testament. And he said this before. There was no Old Testament when Jesus walked the earth. That's just nonsense. Now, it may not have been called the Old Testament and compiled together in what we know as the Bible, but the, the books of the Old Testament were put up in the temple. We know that. That's, that is so simple and so easy to understand. No Nicene Council in the 300s did not determine what the authority of the Word of God was. They, were, they had been preaching the, the, the Old and the New Testament for a couple hundred years. They knew what was authoritative. They were, they, the only real discrepancy they had was on a handful of books as to whether they were authoritative. And when those, and by the way, they weren't Roman Catholics at the time. That's not what they were. They had been persecuted bishops. They'd come under persecution and they'd come together to sort out what we call the canon or the measuring stick. This is these are the books we know are the word of God. And they agreed that all those books were the word of God. So this guy's just completely wrong. And then he goes, Well, there was the book of Enoch. So so the persecuted bishop said it's not the word of God. That's what they said. They didn't hold it authoritative in their churches. There were a few who did. But they didn't hold that. And the writings that are now known as the Torah and the Talmud, now he's given himself away. Jesus was refuting those who held to the Talmud. The Talmud is a... <sighs> you talking about self-righteous. You talking about the Babylonian Talmud is just a disgusting antichrist book. That's what that is. But I guess he thinks that's equal with the Word of God. I'm not sure. Your Old Testament didn't exist when Jesus walked the earth. Also, Jesus spoke Aramaic. Yeah, he did. And watch this. Now he's going to show his Freemasonic side because he's already brought in the Jews. <clears throat> he spoke Aramaic. Do you know what the name of God is in that language? Allah. So, are you trying to justify Islam now? Do you think Islam is on par? Because I know that's what Freemasons think. Go read your, your world book encyclopedia and it'll tell you. You have to be uh, to join that little secret society 
And I'm going to tell you secret societies, I think, are in direct contrast to what the Bible teaches, which is that we do things in the light. Because whatever you're doing in the dark and whatever you're doing secret is going to eventually be shouted from the housetop. Okay? Dead Sea Scrolls, Hebrew, Greek, Latin, Aramaic. You keep trying, though, the doctrination is thick with you. No, sir, it's thick with you. The deception is thick with you, and you need to repent. Because what you're holding to is not what Scripture says. In fact, it's as though he'll agree, yes, all these things are fulfilled, but he has no application. He says none of it applies to us. Well, that's just nonsense. We might as well take our Bibles, throw them in the trash can, and grope in the dark trying to figure our way out of what kind of mess we're in. If you believe like that, you don't have it. There's no hope in that. There's no hope in that. None at all. But I was just going to address these. The rest of the comments have been great. And uh, and again, I, you know, I want to address those who who have these kind of statements to say, look, this, and when you put words in my mouth, you're going to get it. You're just going to get it. I, that's one thing. I don't like assumptions about me. If you want to ask a question, I'll answer you about myself. Um, and I don't like people putting words in my mouth. Like the other week, somebody saying I said all aborted babies go to hell. I didn't. I never said that. Never said that. They wanted to tell me that, uh, you know, I said if a, if a child has a believing parent, that they're going to heaven. Never said that either. And I showed them, I showed them what the scripture says. And, uh, and people keep going on, sticking words in my mouth. Don't do it. Just don't do it. You wouldn't want somebody doing that to you. Okay, so let's get to today's topic. And boy, I'm 30 minutes in, 35 minutes in. <laughs> Here we go. All right, so <clears throat> I want to play this little thing. Now, this comes from uh, our friend Charlie Stewart over at GodSendUsMen.com. And I made mention yesterday uh, because uh, I've listened to some of the things that he has done as well. And he came across this uh, message. And this, this is a Jewish rabbi, uh, Tobias Singer, I think is how you say his name. Rabbi Tobias Singer. He, he introduces himself here. It's about three minutes. And yesterday, I again, I borrowed from Charlie something that he said, and that is, if you're continuing to look for Messiah to come or return and establish his kingdom, which is what the Messiah was coming to do, he was not only coming to be a suffering servant, he was coming to set up his kingdom. And I'm going to show you that again. I'm just going to remind you, we, we talked about this before. If you do that, you really are holding, you really are holding to the religion of the Jews. Because, and, and I'm going to tell you why. Well, I'm not going to tell you why. Rabbi Singer is going to tell you why. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to what this rabbi says, and you tell me if this is not the very excuses that everyone who is looking into the future for Christ to set up a kingdom for the Messiah in their worldview, isn't this the same arguments that they're giving? Listen to what Rabbi Singer 
has to say. Uh oh, I've got him. I've got him muted. Hang on just a second. Uh, let me back up. The reason I have it muted is because I have the phone line open. The phone line will be open. Please don't call while this is on because uh, it'll make a big noise. But here's here's Rabbi uh, Singer. My name is Rabbi Tovia. I'm the director of an organization called Outreach Judaism. I've devoted my life to helping Jews who've converted to Christianity return back to the Jewish faith. Evangelical Christians are targeting Jews worldwide, spending hundreds of millions of dollars to bring you and those that you love to the church. They claim that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, the belief in the Messiah is uniquely Jewish and is a fundamental principle of the Jewish faith. They claim that Jesus somehow fulfilled these prophecies, but really, what does the Jewish scripture say about the Messiah? Why doesn't Judaism accept this Christian claim? It's a fantastic claim, and it lacks evidence. Tanakh tells us, our Hebrew Bible tells us, that there are certain events that will unfold in the Messianic age. When Mashiach comes, there'll be an ingathering the exiles. That's Ezekiel chapter 37. The knowledge of God will cover the world as the water covers the sea. That's Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9 and verse 10. There'll be a resurrection of the dead. That's Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. The temple, the third and final temple, will be rebuilt. If you look today at the Temple Mount, you'll see there a couple of Islamic shrines and it's laying in destruction, waiting for the redemption. But Ezekiel chapter 37, all the way through 47, describes the third temple that will, will be there forevermore. So we have all these messianic prophecies telling us what the Mashiach is supposed to do. And now we ask the question, there have been hundreds of people throughout history, maybe thousands, who've claimed to be the Messiah, Jesus included. What do they all have in common? They didn't fulfill a single one of these prophecies. There was no building of the temple during the first century. In fact, it was destroyed. There was no ingathering of exiles during the first century. The Jews were exiled. There was no resurrection of the dead. The Jews were murdered by the Romans in the ongoing wars. There was no worldwide knowledge of God during the first century because as a result of these wars with Rome and the destruction, the havoc, of the destruction of the second commonwealth, the knowledge of God and the observance of mitzvot were diminished. What's the key? The key is know your own Tanakh, know your own scriptures. If you can look at the great passages of Ezekiel and Isaiah that tell us exactly what will occur, the lamb will lie with the lion. There'll be a worldwide peace when the Messiah comes. Nation will not lift up sword against nation. Isaiah chapter two. Are we living in a time when there is peace? No. We are living in a great time, however, where we're observing the events that are bringing us to this great redemption happening before our eyes. Know your scriptures, understand your own faith, and no missionary will be able to rob you of a relationship with God. Thanks for joining me. All right. Now, Rabbi Singer, if, if, he, was, if he didn't tell you he was a rabbi, if he wasn't using the, the, the Hebrew, the way, the Yiddish, I think is what that is that he's speaking. If if he if he was not that, you could and you didn't hear him talking. You could almost take word for word what he says, and you could apply. You could stick those words in John Hagee's mouth. You could stick them in Hal Lindsey's mouth. You could stick them in 
well, if he was still alive, Jack Van Impey's mouth. You could stick them in any of these modern-day futurist, anybody looking into the future for Christ to come and set up their kingdom and do all these things he said. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're going to address what he says here. Ezekiel 37 and Isaiah and all these other places. And there are simple, very simple answers for these in the Bible. In, I don't have to go outside the Bible. I've told you before, I believe Scripture interprets Scripture. I don't... Look, what little bit I've gone outside of the Scriptures, I've done simply as a reinforcement of what we found in the Scriptures. I didn't go outside the scriptures and say, okay, I see all this in history or pull a thing like, you know, the Lindsays and the rest of these guys and saying, oh, Apache helicopters are like locusts and, you know, weird stuff like that. I didn't do any of that. I've not done any of that. I have stayed in the context. We have interpreted that context in light of the scripture. That's what we've done. And as far as I know, I and I've read a bunch. I, I over the years I've read a bunch different positions on Revelation, Daniel, Matthew twenty four, the the Olivet discourse, and the other Gospels and stuff. And none of them actually stay in Scripture and interpret Scripture with Scripture. They just don't do it. That none of them do that. They always go outside. They find they they may start with Scripture. But they go outside of it into history, and they start bringing all the stuff in and superimposing it on Scripture. At least that's the way I, I, I see them doing it. And that's why I may be fascinated with some people's interpretation. Um, and in fact, I got to tell you, there was, there was a time where like uh, uh, Revelation chapter 9 uh, and the historicist position on Islam. I was like, well, that's pretty fascinating. But most of the historicists, not all of them. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I when I hear them, I can't can't deal with that. But I but I do have friends that at least are trying to be consistent in that, and I can appreciate that. And I actually learn something about history. I'm I'm fine with that. But at the same time, it's what the scriptures say. And I, you guys know I haven't taken anything out of context. I've read things in context, and I've taken the phrases, and I've showed you. I have to ask you: Are there two last days? Is that what's going on? Is there two judgments on Jerusalem in Israel? Is there two closing out of Old Testament or the Old Covenant? Is that what's going on? You have to start asking yourself these kinds of questions. And I realize that people have been taught error. This is why I can be patient with people. If you've got questions on what we have, this is where the phone line is open. If you want to call, the number is 803 619 um, nine eight five five, and I don't know if this is somebody trying to call me or not. I had the phone line up, and I don't know where it went. So let me open this up and make sure I've got it open. Oh, be patient with me. Oh, it is somebody calling. Okay, so hang on. Oh, if you called, if you called, I think you were in Missouri. I'm not sure. Call back. I was looking for where I had set up the phone line. I'm sorry, I moved it on the other screen. So call me back. I'll I'll pick up the phone. Okay. If, if you've got a question, 803-619-9855. But please, keep it to things that we've talked about. Don't ask me things that are not what we talked about, because if, if you're one that I'm trying to help, 
if I give you an answer to that before we sort of lay this foundation, you're not you're not going to take it. And it's not because I think you're ignorant or something. You're going to just going to understand it in a whole different way. And that's not going to be helpful. So you just <clears throat> you who called me just a little while ago, call me again and I'll, I'll answer. I was looking for where I, and I put it on this screen, not that screen, which is I usually don't do. So if you want to call me, give me a call. 803-619-9855. I'd love to hear from you. So that was my fault. It wasn't intentional. Here we go. All right. So let's kick off here. And I'm going to start again <clears throat> with this passage of scripture from Matthew chapter 16. And hopefully you get what I'm doing with this. It's kind of like, let me, let me explain it. Remember when I, for, for years, I played the kids doing the you know, we're going to defy tyrants. We're not going to wear the mask. We're not going to take the shot and uh, and all of that. And I said I had an agenda with that. I was very open with it. I'm not trying to fool anybody. It is to drive that message into your mind and into your heart. Okay. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to drive that message into your mind and heart to do that. So again, whoever called me, call me back because I don't, I, like I said, I didn't, I lost where my answering the phone thing was. This is Matthew 16. This is where we've started off. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 27. For the Son of Man, remember Jesus is talking to his disciples here. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his work. Okay? Truly I say unto you, there, sh there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Truly I say unto you, there shall be, there be some standing here <clears throat> which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So all of this that we've talked about, everything, last days, um, what was the other one we had? End of the world. And we've done shows on those, so if you have questions about those, I'm going to point you back to those, those shows because I'm not going to reiterate all that stuff again. Go listen to the show. Okay? He tells them in the first century, some of you are who are standing here hearing my voice, you're not going to taste death until you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. That is not, that does not sound anything like what you hear the modern people who are still looking for Christ to come in the clouds and establish his kingdom and all this other stuff. It doesn't sound like that, does it? it sounds like somebody, some people in that crowd that he's speaking to are going to see him coming in his kingdom. And I know that for a fact. We made mention of this. <clears throat> this comes from <clears throat> uh, Matthew chapter 24. And I said this yesterday, but I'm going to show you how the witnesses of the scriptures, and keep in mind, the Bible was not made as all one book. These were different people writing. Matthew uh, was obviously an eyewitness to the things that were spoken. He's one of the disciples of Jesus there. And he's writing as an eyewitness and an earwitness to what Jesus said. Okay. Luke, on the other hand, was not an eyewitness. 
He's writing to a guy by the name of Theophilus, and he writes to him in such a way so that Theophilus can be sure about the faith he has. And so that's why Luke writes his gospel, and that's why he writes the book of Acts. Both are addressed to a guy by the name of Theophilus, right? And they are witnesses. And what do witnesses, if they're true witnesses, what do they have to do? They have to agree. Now, they may have little nuances of things they focus on, but their stories agree. This is the same thing you have when you go into a courtroom. If you have witnesses against you, they may take little nuances here and there of things that they focus on that are true. One may say it, one may not, but they, they harmonize together in the fact that the story they're telling is the same story. It's the same thing. So here's what Matthew writes, verse 33 and following. He says, so likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, what things? All the things that are in chapter 24 of Matthew, the Olivet Discourse. This is not about, there's no break in here for any kind of future anything, except for this is in their immediate future within that generation. Okay, and he says so. Likewise, when ye shall see all these things, <clears throat> know that it is near, even at the doors. What's the it? We're going to see that in a second. Know that it is near, even at the doors. Truly, or verily, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Are we clear on that? You know, he says, something is, at the, is, is near, even at the doors. Something is near, but he doesn't tell us in that passage. Then he says, it's going to happen in that generation. That generation of people, and a generation is considered around 40 years. Yeah, there's other passages of Scripture that take it up to something like 120 or whatever, but the average thing when you see a generation is about 40 years, somewhere in there. And he says the generation isn't going to be isn't going to pass till all these things be fulfilled. Then he says, "Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away." So let's go to Luke, and Luke twenty one, beginning in verse thirty one. It's the same. It's the same words, except for Luke includes the it. That Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God, that's the it of Matthew 24, the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Now why is that hard to understand? When John the Baptist came on, and he follows up, same words, this generation shall not pass away, to all be fulfilled, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. It's, just, it's the same words. It's the same story. It's just Matthew used it. Luke says it's the kingdom of God. Now, how does this tie in? What did John, what did John the Baptist come preaching? He came preaching repentance, and he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is when? It's way on out in your future somewhere, and you're never going to see it. No, he said the kingdom of God is at hand. And then when the Pharisees came along with all the other people to be baptized, 
<clears throat> excuse me, what did John look at him and, and do? He says, you brood of viper, who told you to flee the wrath to come? The days of vengeance. Who told you to flee the wrath to come, you brood of vipers? Well, gosh, John, that doesn't sound like you're very evangelistic and you love those guys and you want them to come to Christ. You're, you're kind of confronting them. Yep, he sure did. He called them the same thing Jesus called them. Jesus called them a brood of vipers. Matthew 23. By the way, when Jesus comes out of the temptation, what's the first words out of his mouth? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at It's the same message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's at hand. It's at hand. Stop and think about that a second. If you tell somebody, hey, you know, we're going somewhere and the time's at hand. It's close by. Maybe it's a couple of days. Maybe it's a couple of weeks. Might even be a couple of years. You have something planned that you're going to do. But it's, it's at hand. It's, cl it's close by. It's not, it's not out in somebody else's future. It's in your future. It's in their future. And that's what Jesus says. So with that said, today we're going to pick up the phrases, <clears throat> the time of the end. And these only occur, as far as I could see, in Daniel 8, 11, and 12. That's the only place that I can find the phrase time of the end. Now, if I miss something, please let me know. I'll be glad to pick that back up. But these were the places where I could find the phrase time of the end. So, five minutes, and then we're going to go over. So if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, we're going to go over again. Okay, I'm going to try not to go two hours because I got stuff I got to do. But this stuff is exciting to me when we read it. So Daniel 8, my goodness, this is 27 verses, and we're going to have to read quite a bit till we get to this. But I'm going to do this. I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to read all of Daniel 11. There's just, it's a really long chapter. But what I'm going to do is just focus on where the time of the end is used. Okay, so let's go to Daniel chapter 8 so we get kind of an idea of what's going on here. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. And I saw <clears throat> in a vision, and it came to pass when I saw that I was uh, at Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in a vision, and I was by the river of Uli. Then I lifted up mine eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before me, or excuse me, before the river, a ram, which had two horns. Now, as you go through here, you're going to see these, these beasts, okay? And this is why when you see these tyrannical governments, their empires uh, that, that Daniel's going to lay out. And remember, Daniel's writing like uh, close to 500 BC, okay? He's writing long, he's living in, he's, he's lived in the midst <clears throat> of Babylon. That's what the king of Belshazzar, he's like the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. They're still in Babylon when he gets this. So he's living in the first kingdom, okay? There's this ram. He has two horns. Now, horns usually symbolize powers, and quite often it symbolizes particular men, men of power uh, in there. And so he has a ram, which has two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. And again, 
Lord willing, we're going to go through and kind of break down all of this as to what's going on. But this is his vision. And I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward so that no beasts might stand before him. Neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will and became great. And <clears throat> so he's speaking of the uh, Medo-Persia empire that's going to come, the Medes and the Persians. That's the two horns there. Okay. And then he says, and as I was considering, behold, an he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. So instead of two horns, one being higher than the other, this one only has one. And this is the Grecian empire led by Alexander the Great. And he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran unto him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with, with collar against him, and smote the ram, and brake his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him. But he cast him down to the ground, and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Therefore the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, and the great horn was broken... And for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. So there's four, and there's these, uh, there's, there's four, um, generals that were left after, after Alexander, you know, puked himself to death, um, because he was, he was an, he was a drunkard. Uh, these guys begin to split up the, the empire and they take over certain sections of it. Okay. And out of one of them came forth a little horn which waxed exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And an host was given, against him, given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. It came to pass when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning, then behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. If you want to hear the rest of this, we're going to go through several passages here. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. Or um, you can catch us on Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. And Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning, bright and early. Talk to you then. <clears throat> okay, so the phone line are still open. Uh, whoever called... I think you left me a message. I can't listen to it right now, but if you'd like to call back, if you got a question or a comment that you want to do, um, please give us a call back. 803-619-9855. Now, this number is only good while the show's on. So if you're watching a repeat, please don't call the number, okay? You're just going to go to a voicemail, and I may or may not see it. I don't know. Okay, so back to Daniel. Daniel has been sent Gabriel. Now, you remember Gabriel shows up in chapter 9 also. And he tells Daniel about the 70 weeks or the 490 years determined among his people, 
whereby the six things that the Messiah will do, the anointed one, the Christ, what he's going to do, and he says, this can only be done in that time frame. This is why when I hear people say stuff like, well, Jesus fulfilled the first three of those, but the second three is going to fulfill in his, his quote-unquote second coming. His second coming's already happened. That was in AD 70. Th that's so clear from Matthew 24. I don't see how people see it. I, I just, I really don't. That's clear. Everything we, we've seen in the, the Old and New Testament, all of those phrases, last days, time of the end, end of the world, all of that happens in the Messianic period. Jesus has completed being the anointed one. L let, me, let me just show you that he's completed that. When, uh, when, when Saul was to become king, what happened before he became king? He was anointed with oil as king, right? Then he became king. When David was to be king, he was anointed with oil. And of course, his time frame to be king was longer than Saul's, right? Because Saul was king. So he's anointed, then he becomes king. Same thing with Jesus. Jesus was the Christ, the anointed one. He was to be the king, and he is the king. He is the king. He's not waiting to be king. He is the king. That means he has a kingdom. That means he has laws. Okay? That's what it means. <clears throat> now, Daniel, chapter 8, beginning at verse 17. So he came near where I stood... And when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. This is, I got to tell you, this right here, when you hear people say, oh, I saw angels and we had a little chat, you know, or I sit there and boy, they were beautiful. Every person that I know in the scriptures, when, when an angel came to them, they thought they were going to die. They were scared to death. Same thing with Jesus when he comes in his glory. What did we read out of Revelation chapter 1? What did we read in the description of Jesus? Does it, did it sound anything like these lily white boy effeminate pansy pictures of Jesus that you see? No, because they're idols. They're idols. Get that stuff away from you. Okay? When Jesus appeared to John, what did John do? I fell on my face as dead. The Lord the, and, and Gabriel, they always have to lift people up and say, don't be afraid. I hear people say such stupid things. Jesus came and he was, I was shaving and I saw him in the mirror and we just had a conversation while I was shaving. Well, you didn't see Jesus, dude. You're making it up. You're lying or you met something else, but you didn't meet Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you what, if you were shaving and Jesus did appear to you, you would have fell on your face, petrified, terrified. So just think about that the next time somebody tries to pass that stuff off to you. He says, so he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, understand, O son of man. 
for at the time of the end shall be the vision. So there is this time that expands here from where he is seeing this ram, okay? And seeing the goat. This is coming up on the time of the end, okay? Now, as he was speaking, with, and he's going to elaborate on that a little further. Okay, all right. Now, we've got our caller calling in, so hang on just a second, okay? And we'll see if we can bring them up here. Okay, caller, are you there? Yes, but I, I misunderstood. I just wanted to say thank you to Tim and your, your crew there. Oh, well, thank you very much. And who, who, who are you? What, what's your name? My name is Karen Moore. I'm in Oxford, Massachusetts. Okay. And I appreciate him telling the truth and understanding it. Amen. Amen. Well, praise Thank the Lord. You. To God be the glory for that, because all we can do yes. is give the word of God. He has to make it real in your in your heart and your mind. Thank you, Karen. Amen. I appreciate that encouragement. I really do. Do you have anything Thank else you. that you wanted to say? No, I just misunderstood the message. I just wanted to say thank you. Amen. Well. Thank you. Amen. All Thank right. you. Thank you, Karen. God bless you. God bless you, too. All right. All right. There goes Karen. Ah. Oh. Isn't that precious? <laughs> Thank you, Karen. I love when when God's people get it because it changes it changes your life. It opens your eyes to the scriptures. And only God can do that. I can't do that. I can read you this stuff all day long. I can't open your understanding. I can't do it. I have no power to do that. And this is why I think the Bible refers to preaching as foolishness to the world, because how is your preaching these things? How does it, how does it tr change the world? How does it grow the kingdom? It's the Spirit operating in the Word. Oh, my goodness. It's the Spirit operating in the Word. Praise God for that. Thank you, Karen. Back to Daniel 8. Understand the, the uh, excuse me, understand the son, son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. And as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep on my face toward the ground, and he touched me and set me upright. The angel had to do this for Daniel. Daniel didn't even have the strength to sit up and do anything. And he said, Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation. For at the time appointed, the end shall be. So he says, I'm going to tell you that this, this vision is for the time of the end. Okay. So clearly what's going on here is in the compass in the time period known as the time of the end. But it leads up to, and he clarifies it in verse 19, for at the time appointed, the end shall be. Okay, now keep that in mind, keep that distinction there in mind, because he's going to make mention of it in other passages in his book. And he goes on and he tells him what the vision means. The ram which thou sawest having two horns of the kings of Mede and Persia. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia. And the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king, that's Alexander. Now that being broken, whereas four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of that nation, but not in his power, they're, because they're going to be separated. And I forget, I, I, didn't, I didn't bother to pull 
the names of these generals who did it, but uh, you can readily find those. I, I don't think there's any disagreement, no matter what eschatological position you take. They, everybody knows who the four generals are and how that was how that was broken up. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he says, and at the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding darkness sentences shall stand up. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy city. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. And the vision of the evening and the morning, which was told, is true. Wherefore, shut thou up the vision, for it shall be for many days. So again, Daniel's constantly told, shut up the vision. We're going to see in a minute, seal up the book. Okay? It's going to be for many days. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick certain days. And afterward, I rose up and did the king's business, and I was astonished at the vision, but none understood it. So. Let's go over here to Daniel chapter 11, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to go down uh, for the sake of my time of what I'm wanting to get in here. Uh, I'm going to have to kind of jump down here to where the, this, this phrase is being used, okay? So let's begin in verse 25, and we'll just kind of read through because there's I, I kept these open so I would remember where, where the phrases are in this. They, they, they appear in verse uh, 27, in verse 35, and then in verse 40, okay? And this is a really, really long chapter. That's why I'm not going to read the whole thing. So he says this, and uh, beginning of verse 25, And he shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army, and the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army, but he shall not stand... For they shall forecast devices against him. Okay, we've got another caller calling in, so we're gonna we're gonna take this one as well. Okay, caller, are you there? Yes. Okay. What what comment do you have? No, I just wanted to compliment him and tell him that the Sons of Liberty in the morning is my morning Bible study, and it's amazing. And everything he says is so real with me. Amen. Amen. I appreciate that, brother. What's your name? Enrico. Enrico, thank you so much for calling. Is there something else you wanted to say? No, that's all. I just want to compliment him and say his morning show is my Bible study. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Enrico. I appreciate it. And this is Tim, by the way. It's not a, I, I don't have somebody taking calls where they can find out. That's why I have oh, to ask okay. your name and stuff. <laughs> but I appreciate you calling. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, sir. All right, brother. God bless you. Thank you. And you too. Yeah. And to God be the glory for that. There goes Enrico. Uh, you know, I've been getting a lot of this stuff and it's, I got to tell you, it's, it's exciting. And it's it's very humbling because I guess like I tell you, I don't think very much of myself. I'm just a redneck out here in South Carolina. But you know what? My father is the greatest of all. 
And his son is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And his spirit is the one who, who sets our hearts on fire and who opens our eyes to these things. So praise God for his goodness and his mercy in, uh, in opening our eyes. Praise, praise him for that. All right, so let's go back here to Daniel. And again, the phone lines are open. I don't mind, you know, if you want to call in, if you got a question or if you got a comment, um, you're more than welcome to call in. The phone number was on the screen. It'll come back when I come back on there. Okay, so he says, Yea, that feed the portion of his meat shall destroy him, and his army shall overflow, and many shall fall down slain. And both these kings' hearts shall be to do mischief, and they shall speak lies at one table, but it shall not prosper. For yet, yet the end shall be at the time appointed. It's not the end yet. Okay, it's not the end yet, but it's, it's at the time appointed the end is coming. Then shall he return to his land. And let's, let's just go on down because I just want you to see where these, these, uh, these, these phrases <clears throat> appear. And this one's coming up, what was it, in 35? Um, <clears throat> and we'll just read from 31. And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate, and such as do wickedly against the covenant, the covenant, keep that in mind, shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits, and they that understand among the people shall instruct many. Yet... They shall fall by the sword and by the flame, by captivity, by spoil, many days. Now, when they shall fall, they shall be uh, helping with a little help, but many shall cleave to them with flatteries. And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them and to purge and to make them white, even to the time of the end. Even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. So he's telling uh he's telling of there's there's coming a time of the end but the end when he's talking about this he says it's not come yet. When you see these things this isn't the end, it's the time of the end, but it's not the end because the end is for an appointed or time appointed, okay? That's what I want you to get. He distinguishes that as he's going down. Okay? And then he says this in the next few verses, and the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that, that is, for that, I, I think they have some problems in the online version of this where there's some, some typos or something. For that is determined shall be done. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any god. And again, I've heard people take this verse completely out of context, slapping on, you know, whoever they're pinning the ant tail on the Antichrist, you know, for the future. And they say, well, he's going to be like this. This has nothing to do with that. This has to do with what came before the destruction of Jerusalem. I mean, <laughs> it's very clear Daniel's given a history from his time up until the time of the end. Okay. For he shall magnify himself above all. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces, and a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange God 
whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. Then he says this, and at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with ships, and he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over, and he shall enter also into the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom and Moab, and the chief of the children of Ammon. He's going to stretch forth his hand also into the countries and the land of Egypt shall not escape. It, you see it all over here, Libyans, Ethiopians, all this. Okay. And, and this happened and we will get into it. This is just the outline. Remember, this is just the, the, you open up your coloring book. This is just the drawing. We can go back and we can color these in, but I just want you to see how Daniel is using this term time of the end. Now, with that said, Daniel chapter 12 is where we're going to finish up today, okay? As he uses this uh, language again. So let's read it. We've read the first, I don't know, five verses or so uh, of Daniel, or four, something like that, before. Now we're just going to read the chapter. It's very short. I want you to see what he says. Daniel chapter 12. And at that time shall Michael stand up. Remember, Michael is the, the angel here. He's the man, or he, he has the appearance of a man, uh, but he's definitely very frightening uh, because, again, when he shows up, there's, there's fear. The great prince which shall stand for the, ch for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. Or excuse me, time of trouble, yeah, such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. Now, where does your mind go in our study, in, our, in, the, in the shows that we've done on this, where does your mind go when you hear a phrase like this? And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. Where, where does your mind go? Matthew 24, right? There's, it's the time... It's going to be the time of Jacob's trouble. I think Luke uses that term. But he, he talks about there's, it's, there's never been something like this in the history of the world, nor, nor ever shall be. Why? They're the days of vengeance. It's God's vengeance on the covenant breakers of the old covenant and closing it out, bringing all the curses upon them in fulfillment of what he promised in Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26. And I know for some people who think you know, modern-day Israel and people who call themselves Jews but are not, but are the synagogue of Satan, they think they're God's chosen people. No, they're not. They're imposters. The vast majority of them don't even look like a Semitic people. They look like Europeans. They look like you and me. It's because they are. They're what you call the Ashkenazi. That's what they are. This is not, it's not difficult to understand if you understand what the scripture says are the people of God, who are the commonwealth of Israel, who are the sons of Abraham or children of Abraham. And I would recommend if you don't have that in your mind, read the book of Galatians. It's, it's clear. It's clear if you have eyes to see. If you don't have eyes to see, I can't help you, but I can at least say 
go to where the light is, and the light is in the Word of God. Go to Galatians. Um, focus on the pronouns that are used. Focus on what Paul is arguing against because he's arguing against people who say, you can have faith in Jesus, but you got to keep the law. And what they mean by that is you got to be circumcised. You got to go through all the ceremonies and do all this stuff too. That's not, that's not, that's, that, that is, that makes the gospel of no effect. That's not of grace. That's your own righteousness you're trying to accomplish. And what happens? Yeah, you get in a lot of trouble with that. So back to Daniel chapter 12. He says, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people, thy people, Daniel, same thy people as in chapter 9, where they had 490 years. There's 490 years to, to thy people to do, to do these things. Okay? So, he says, and at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that is that shall be found written in the book. So he says, thy people would be delivered. And then he clarifies what he means. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. So those not written in the book are not delivered. No, no, no. They go to destruction. Okay. And then he says this. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, I have heard people say, well, this is talking about a resurrection out in our future. What has he talked about? The time of the end. The things he was talking about before in chapter 11 and chapter 8, he says, time of the end, but the end is not yet. Okay? The end is not yet. He says here, Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting content. In fact, he goes on a little bit, and he says, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Well, was there a resurrection at the time of the end? Ask yourself this. Is the time of the end, is it different than the last days? Is it different than the end of the world? If it is, isn't that very confusing? Are there two ends of the world? Are there two last days? Are there two times of the end? Now, some people would say, yeah, there, there are. I don't see that anywhere in here. Well, Tim, where's, where's this resurrection that you're talking about? What, 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 does the Bible talk about this? Why, yes, it does. It absolutely does. Matthew chapter 27 And let's just pick up at verse 45. Actually, let me see if I can go a little, little further. Um, <clears throat> and this will, be a, this will be a little bit, this is a hint 
Remember uh, the rabbi, uh, the the rabbi singer. Remember he said, "Well, Ezekiel thirty-seven wasn't fulfilled by Jesus." <laughs> Again, if you're looking for a physical kingdom, Jesus has already told you it doesn't come with observation; it's within you, right? Remember he said that. This is it is a spiritual, but it's a real kingdom. Verse thirty-eight. Then were there two thieves, this is Matthew 27, if you're following along. Then there were two thieves crucified with him, that's with Jesus, one on the right hand, one on, another on the left. By the way, remember when the, the, the one thief, what did he say? The one, the one thief is over there and says, you, you know, he joins the mockers. And he's like, well, if he's really who he says he can save us. And the guy says, you know, be quiet, man. And he looks at Jesus and he's repentant. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your what? Paradise? Heaven? When you come into your kingdom. Are you guys starting to get the picture? When you come into your kingdom, this thief recognized something, and, he, and it wasn't men who opened his eyes, like Peter who said, you're the son of the living God. You're, you're, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't re reveal that to you, but my father did. Well, guess who revealed it to the thief? The father. He opened his eyes to see the son coming in his kingdom. When you come into your kingdom, remember me. Okay, that's what he had said to him. Back to Matthew 27 and verse 39. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple. Remember, Jesus had said, destroy this temple. And the Bible says he wasn't talking about uh, the, the building, but he was talking about himself, his body. Destroy the temple, and I'll raise it up in three days. And so they're mocking him. Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. Rabbi Singer, it would align himself with these hypocrites to kill the Son of God were he living in those days, with his understanding. He would have aligned himself with this. There's no doubt in my mind. Save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. And, you know, there's a part of me that just wants to say, you guys don't get it. You don't get it. You don't know the Scriptures like Rabbi Singer. He doesn't. He says the only way to protect you from these, you know, people bringing you to church. And by the way, I'll tell you this: there are many Christians who go out there, and all they want to do is build a big congregation. They want money to flow into it. They're there for their social club and to make them feel good. And I'm telling you what: if that's your purpose in getting converts, you need to hear the words of Jesus. He said, he told these guys, you go across land and sea, you go all over the place to get one convert and you make him twice the son of hell. I don't make converts. Only God can make converts and he's only going to make converts as you give the true gospel and the truth of his word. That's the only way it happens. And it doesn't come through a man. It comes as the spirit of God takes the word of God, and makes the person alive. That's the only way it happens. So, we're right back here. Verse 41. 
Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, he saved others himself. He cannot save if he be the king of Israel. Remember, that's what that's what his crime was being the king of the Jews. That was the that was the crime that was written out and attached on the cross above his head. His crime was being the king of the Jews. He was somehow opposed to Caesar. Caesar was not king to Jesus. That was his crime. He trusted in God, let him deliver him if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Had God forsaken him? No. But Jesus, the Bible says, became sin. And I don't understand. I got to tell you, I cannot comprehend how Jesus becomes sin for us, yet he is sinless. It is it blows my mind what is going on there. But basically, he's going to step in our place, in, the, in his people's place, to endure the wrath of God that his people deserved. He's going to bear that himself, even though he didn't violate one jot nor one tittle of the law of God. Not one. And so when this when all these violations, these transgressions of the law are laid on him, it's as though he's been cut off from God. That's the sense he has in his humanity, just like Adam would have had. Only a billion times more. Because he's not just bearing the sin of Adam, he's bearing the sin of Adam and his posterity. Some of them that stood there when they heard that, said, this man called for Elias or Elijah. And straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. I mean, these people don't have a clue. They just don't have a clue as to what's going on. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost and watch what happens when he yields up the ghost. Okay? Watch it. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. That's kind of interesting. It's a big old veil. It's several inches thick. And it's not rent from the bottom where you can easily get it. Not that you could easily tear this thing anyway. I mean, you need a knife to cut through this thing. It's torn from the top to the bottom. What's important about that? Well, this veil was in front of the Holy of Holies. Only the priest could go in there, and only he could only go in there once a year on the Day of Atonement. It was, the, it was considered the presence of God was there. And you couldn't go in the presence of God unless you did all of the ceremonial washings and the incense burning and all of the stuff that was required for that priest to go in, and he can only do it once a year. But now... The way to the Father is open. The veil is torn. 
It was rent from top to bottom, and the earth did quake. There was an earthquake, and the rocks rent, and watch this, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Did you get that? Oh, no, we're waiting for a resurrection out here. Jesus is the first fruits, 1 Corinthians 15. And all those after him. And what does it say? When he gave up the ghost, he made a way in to the Father. There was an earthquake. Rocks were rent. Graves were opened. And after his resurrection, even though the graves were open, after his resurrection, the bodies of the saints which slept, slept, they, they, were, de they were considered dead. And I got to tell you, we're going to have to reevaluate what we're seeing about death. And that will come, Lord willing, in the future show that we do. The graves were opened. Many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of their graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Does that sound like this is happening at the time of the end, in the last days, what Daniel is told would happen? Why, yes, it does. In fact, it goes further. It says, when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, what things? Well, what they can see there Maybe there's some graves close by. They see them opened. They see the rocks rent. They feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. These Roman soldiers that put Jesus to death were given eyes to see something that the leaders of the Jews whose father was the devil, couldn't see. Or, no, let me, I, I think they saw. I think they knew exactly who Jesus was. I don't think when Jesus is praying, Father, forgive them, they don't know what to do. I don't think he's praying for those who are mocking him. I, I don't, I just don't buy it. But I think he's praying for those people, even among the Roman soldiers and others who were gathered around, that God would be merciful to them. That's, that's what I think. Because if he was interceding for the mockers, then the mockers would have been saved. But they weren't. At least not that we know. But the Roman soldiers, truly, they saw what happened. Truly, this was the Son of God. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Pretty interesting, isn't it? So... There is a resurrection that happened at that time. Now, some people say that these people went into the city and they eventually died and this, that, and the other. I'm not so sure about that. The way had been opened. It's appointed unto man once to die then the judgment. These guys had already done that. How many times are you going to have them die? <laughs> Seriously, how many times are you going to have them die? When you're dead, your body's gone. Your body's dead. You're gone. Okay? 
There's no coming back. And don't mix that up with quote-unquote near-death experiences. By definition, near-death is not dead. They may say, oh, your heart stopped and all this other stuff. But if you've listened to Kate on Saturdays, she's talked about just because your heart may have had this, you, you got to see if that heart is going, if you've got brain activity, all those things are happening. I'm not going to get into all that, but there is something to be said. Near-death experiences is not death. It's not. So here we are. Again, Daniel chapter 12. Here's what he says. Verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And I'm just going to reiterate this so that you remember it, okay? That's the, that's the reason for the repetition. Revelation chapter 22, Daniel's told to seal up the book, right? Because it's not time yet. It's not the time of the end. And what's John told? And I don't know anybody, no matter what your eschatological view, and I know that's a big word. It just means the study of last things. That's all it is. Whatever your understanding of last days, end of time, end of the world, any, uh, all this kind of stuff. I don't think there's an end of time. Um, <clears throat> end of the world, time of the end, whatever that is, everybody that I know, and there may be some odd things there, they believe that Daniel and Revelation go hand in hand. They're talking about the same things. Daniel is told to seal up the book until the time of the end. John is told in verse 10 of, verse, of chapter 22, And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Let's go back to Daniel. Shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. I think, and I'm not trying to add words to what it, what's going on here, but I think you could literally go over here to John and you could read into it, and that would be eisegesis, but I think it's the understanding of what he's going. Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. For this which was spoken of by Daniel, let me back over here uh, to what he says. The time of the end spoken to Daniel, well, that time is at hand. That's the way I understand it. That's letting Scripture interpret Scripture. That's not me trying to force something in on the Scripture. I think that's exactly what's going on. Exactly what's going on. Back to Daniel. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood, two, uh, stood other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river and the other on the side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, excuse me, when he held up his right hand and his left hand into heaven and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times and half a time, and when he, he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people. This is all about dealing with Daniel's people. It's not about dealing with the world. It's about dealing with Daniel's people. That's what the holy people is considered at that time. Okay? All these things shall be finished. And when you go to Revelation, you'll see that. 1260 days, three and a half years. That's how long uh, that siege took to utterly destroy 
Jerusalem. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he doesn't really give an, in, an answer. He says, and he said, go that way, Daniel, for the words are closed up, just like I told you to seal them, and sealed till the time of the end. Till the time of the end. The time of Messiah. The time of the kingdom. The time of finishing things off in the old covenant world. And he says this, Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Well, how are they going to understand if the book is sealed? Because it was unsealed in the time of Christ. It was unsealed in the time of Christ. How could they have understood the time of their visitation and what was going on and what was coming upon Jerusalem if it was not the time of the end where the book was unsealed? This is, this is not hard. It really, men make it hard and they make it hard because they haven't entered the kingdom of God often, not all of them. I think there's some that are, just haven't entered because of what, what they've been taught. But there are others who want to keep people out of it. This is easy. It, this is really simple. It really is. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred ninety days. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. But go thy way till the end be. For thou shalt rest. In other words, you're going to go to sleep like your fathers. You're going to go to sleep and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Mm. The end of the days. Now, I don't know if Daniel came forth in this resurrection that took place at the time Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross I, I, and, 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 and after his resurrection. I don't know if he came forth at that. My mind would say, yes. I also see where Peter says in Acts chapter 2, here's David's, he's, he, you know, when he references, you won't allow your Holy One to see corruption, he says, well, look, David, David's the one, you know, pinning that, and it's obviously not talking about David. We got, his, we got his tomb here. Now, he may be saying that we see his tomb, so we know that, David clearly saw corruption. That's hundreds of years before the sermon that Peter gives in Acts chapter 2. And maybe David went up. I, that's my, you know, talks about he led captivity captive. Ephesians chapter 4. That's what Jesus did. He made a way into the Father. When the Old Testament saints died, it says they, they died and they slept with their fathers. They were gathered to their fathers. Now they've been brought into the presence of the living God, Yahweh, the one true God. And how have they been brought there? By the Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua. They've been brought there by him. And guess what? When all this happened at the time of the end, the kingdom was established. Let me take you back to where we sort of began. 
and just reiterate these verses. Matthew chapter 16. Truly I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Matthew 24, verse 33. So likewise ye, when ye see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. And Luke comes behind him and tells you what the it is. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God, that's the it of Matthew 24, is nigh at hand. Not thousands of years off in your future. He specifically says ye, the people he's talking to, his disciples. You see these things come to pass? Know the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Truly I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. What does this inevitably lead to? There is only one king over all the nations. His kingdom is everlasting. As Nebuchadnezzar said, who can stay his hand from doing his will? And if you are in the Lord Jesus, King Jesus, you are in his kingdom. And it doesn't come with observation. It is within you. That's his words, not mine. That's what he said. Tim, you sure are reiterating all this stuff. Yep, because I want you to get it. And some of you may have gotten it and you go, okay, can we move on to something else? No, we can't because we still have to make sure everybody's getting this. And different people are at different growths. They're at different levels of sanctification, or some people are still outside the kingdom. And I want to do what I can, as far as at least the presentation, to show you there is a king. And he has a kingdom. And he has laws that are not burdensome, like our laws are. Listen, look at the laws that we have in the state, from the federal, I mean, did you see when they brought out, I forget which one that was, they brought it out on a set of hand trucks. This law, I mean, it was, the, the law in paper was stacked up higher than I am on a, on a set of hand trucks. That was one bill they were going to pass. Is that what you want to live like? Under that kind of tyranny? That's what it is. It's pretended law. Or do you want the law of liberty? which keeps you from violating what God has said, which is also not only for your benefit, it is for his glory. Which one do you want to live under? Oh, well, well y'all are going to kill people if, if a woman, you know, commits adultery on her husband. Well, I didn't write the law and I didn't write the just punishment for it. But I'll tell you this. You have somebody commit adultery with your wife. And you tell me that you're just fine with that. You tell me that person isn't worthy of death. You're deceiving yourself if you don't. And there's only a handful of capital crimes. The other, the other things that are done are handled through restoration. Oh, Jesus says, 
my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But the scriptures say the way of the sinner is hard. It is hard. <laughs> Which one do you want? Light and easy? You're in the yoke with Jesus? Or do you want the hard way of the sinner? If you want the yoke is easy and the burden is light with Jesus, you're going to have to come to the king on his terms. And his terms are, you bow the knee to him and you leave the sin behind. You deny yourself and you surrender to the king. You ready to do that today? I hope so. Don't harden your heart if you hear his voice. Guys, Bradley be with you tomorrow. Don't forget that, 3 o'clock Eastern. And uh, Lord willing, I'm going to see you in the morning. And um, I don't know exactly where I'm going to go with things, but uh, we'll see if we can carry this over because next week on Monday, we're going to have Jesse Boyd back. He's the guy walking with the flag and the cross across country. He started back again this week in Montana, already has a good report. He's going to come in and share that, what God has been doing, uh, the amount of people who've come out to encourage hundreds. People came out to encourage them when they arrived on there, did 25 miles their first day. So, uh, Lord willing, we're going to have Jesse back on on Monday, and we may have another guest uh, next week or the week after. I'm not sure, but we're going to continue some of this because, again, I think it's very important that people understand what the Scripture says about this. Quit playing with last day's madness. Get to advancing the kingdom of God. Get to start dealing with the rebels against God. And we will see God bless those efforts. First, his own people have to repent. That's you and me. We've got to leave our wicked ways. And we have to pursue the king. All right. Let's pursue the king today. All right. And we'll talk to you, Lord willing, in the morning. See you.